Hopefully you read chapter 8 of the book of Romans once, twice, three times, four times this week. If you didn't, I encourage you to do it again this week as we're just really focusing in on the the Spirit as Paul uses the reference to the Holy Spirit uh, 18 times in one chapter. No other chapter in the New Testament refers to the Holy Spirit more than Romans chapter 8. And uh, and last week we uh, we started to just uh, dive into this a little bit. I want to go in a little bit further and start off talking today about when I was a little rich. I was actually seven years old. And when I was seven years old, I actually was able to learn to ride one of these guys, a nice little banana bike. How many can remember the banana bikes? Uh, that's what I learned to ride on. And in fact, it was in the time where uh, Evil Knievel was really popular. Evil Knievel was this uh, stunt guy. And, and I remember when he jumped over 11 Mack trucks. And I wanted to be just like Evil Knievel. And so I went and I got myself some plywood and I got myself some bricks and I built a jump and I just said, I'm going to be really good on the bike. By, by the end of, uh, I'm still seven years old and I, I'd already been in my first competition of riding in cones and bike because I literally, I was going to be evil Knievel. I was going after it. Uh, where I lived at the time in eastern Washington, uh, it, was, uh, it was an arid, an arid climate and highs in the 90s in the summer. And so it was not unusual just to, you know, to go outside with some shoes on and some shorts. And, and I actually went for a ride on my bike with just shorts and shoes on. And I, and I rode across the street to our neighbor's house because I wanted to see if he wanted to come out and play. And when I, when I rode up, I went, oh, I could just ride all the way to the front door. So I rode down the driveway and I took a left on their little walkway and I didn't get my foot down in time and I fell over right by their front window. All across their front window was rose bushes. And I'm telling you, I had scratches everywhere. I, it was a valuable lesson that I had a ways to go to be, well, maybe that was a little bit like being evil Knievel because he had so many broken bones over the years. But, uh, but here's, the, here's the reality of it. That fall, and I want you to get this, that fall into the rose uh, bushes, it struck at my confidence as a person who could ride that great banana bike. And what I want to talk about this morning is the very same thing. There are things in our life that cause us to fall into the proverbial rose bushes that cause us to lose confidence in our spirituality. And it's never healthy when we lose confidence in our spirituality. So much so that, that when it comes to the modern day and, and this idea that, that the gospel message and the power of the cross really can overcome the sin in our life, that the church has begun to, begun to excuse uh, sin and kind of take a different approach to sin, really fulfilling what um, Paul wrote about in 2 Timothy, that there would be this day in the last days where people would acknowledge uh, the, the, the cross and they would acknowledge the gospel but they would deny the power of that cross. And and we live in a day where people really don't believe that God has the power to help us change from a sinful behavior to a non-sinful behavior, to a fleshly life, to really this place of living a spirit life. And, And so what we've done is we've fallen into this whole cultural approach to sin where our culture today has just done nothing more than rename sin. What used to be called uh, drunks is now just called social drinkers. What the church used to call atheism now is just called evolution or progressiveness. What used to be called profanity is just called colorful language. Lying is not really lying, it's just stretching the truth. Gossip is 
just sharing the truth out of concern. False doctrine is called progressiveness. Homosexuality is just called an alternative lifestyle. And while in one manner we may say, yeah, God is against all that, but unless we believe that God has the power to change that, we'll, we'll proclaim the cross, but we'll deny its powers, meaning that we'll never step into, we won't experience an ever-increasing uh, uh, dynamic of God's Spirit to actually change and transform us. One of the reasons that, that we struggle as a whole as the American church in, in, in igniting change is because we don't really have confidence in the gospel message. When you do life through the Holy Spirit, you end up living a life of victory. And with victory comes confidence. And the church today, with all the stuff that's going on and all the evil that's expressed and all the ways that it tries to interact and, and challenge us, should live with incredible confidence. Because the moment you said yes to the Lord, the Holy Spirit came and started residing in you. And you have to understand that that Holy Spirit has never, ever experienced defeat. There's no lack of confidence from God's Spirit. And when we understand that that confidence comes through the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus, as Paul refers to him here in, um, in, in Romans chapter 8, then all of a sudden we begin to grow in our confidence. Not in our own ability, but the ability that is already at work within us and that will work through us. And so here Paul picks up, and I want to pick it up in verse 5. Paul says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Let me stop just for a moment here. Let me challenge you in the, in the area of growth. This does not mean that the Spirit is not in you, but how much time did your mind go to the things of the Lord this week versus to the things that you were encountered with every day, work and the things that you were doing, trying to catch a fish, whatever, whatever it was. Not that these things are bad, but when the things of this world outweigh the, what, our mind time compared to focusing on the Lord, there's area for growth. Can we agree on that? Because we're going to talk about that growth. We're going to talk about how to get from here to there, wherever that is. And so Paul says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their mind on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit of life is, on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is um, dead because of sin, the spirit of is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit, his spirit who dwells in you. So that's speaking of the resurrection, that there's going to be a moment when our bodies come alive in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes on, he says, so then brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. 
But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. There's the growth piece. Putting to death the things that your body, my body, wants to do, and living more and more in Christ. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. And heirs of God and his fellow and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, Paul says a lot in these scriptures. I mean, it's, you know, again, this is just a part of scripture where, you know, commentary after commentary after commentary has been written and dissecting every word and breaking down. But we're just, we're really taking this from the vantage point of life through God's spirit. So when we talk about this victory and the victory of growth from living life that is dedicated to and focused after and driven by the flesh to a life that is uh, driven by and driven for the spirit of Christ, there's a growth that takes place. There's something that happens, but it starts with a very specific belief system that we have to have. And that's really the connect for us today. And it's simply that the power of God's Holy Spirit guarantees a change in our life. So it's the scripture saying. So without, without, without being, a, if you're not a Christian, you don't have the spirit. But as a Christian, you have God's spirit. So that means me. That means you. You have a spirit, which means you also have the spirit of Christ. It means that you have the spirit of God. And so you live in and have in you the spirit of victory because change is guaranteed. So what does that mean for you and me? That means that if you have a mindset that very simply feels like you'll never change, that you are what you are and that's all there's going to be, then, then there's great area for growth because, because growth is guaranteed by God's spirit. We don't need, get this, we don't need to keep falling into the proverbial rose bushes of sin and find ourselves scratched up and marked up and, and really have a lack of confidence in what we're called to do. Because victory lives inside of us. We live in the dynamic of victory. And so if you believe that, well, then it's going to cause you to start looking a certain direction. Now, I'm always amazed at the people who believe that they're going to be raised from the dead, but they don't believe the Spirit can change their life circumstance right now. That when they look at themselves in the mirror and they see all the areas that they hate about themselves, they don't like about themselves, they think nobody else likes about them, and, and the sin that they keep falling into, and the addiction that they can't get out of, and all the things that keep pulling them back into a place of, of shame and, and really a lack of confidence, uh, they don't believe that God's there for that. That's, that's believing in the gospel, but denying the power. There's power in the gospel to change whatever part of your life that you recognize is not of the Lord. Now, we're getting ready to, get, to go into football season. Football season's training camps in a few weeks. How many are with me? How many thinks that we need to have a Jersey Sunday coming up? Now, I've been joking around my house. I've been really thinking about becoming a, a Cowboys fan. Now, you might be asking yourself, why would you do that? Well, you may not know what it's like to be the fan of a sports team like the Arizona Cardinals 
who's never won anything. You have to get this, that the Cardinals are the oldest football franchise and the oldest franchise of any sport that has never won a championship. So you know what they really know how to do is lose. Now I want to contrast that to the Cowboys who have not won a championship since the mid-90s. Now some of you are not going to like this, but I'm going to back it up with some facts. The Cowboys are still America's team. I knew, I knew this would be the reaction I get. You have to understand the most Googled football team in 2022 was not the Patriots, was not the Chiefs. It certainly wasn't the Cardinals. It was the Cowboys. Of the top five regular season games in America in 2022, four of them were played by the Cowboys. For some reason, people love and love to hate the Cowboys. The Cowboys, under Jerry Jones, I I never thought, when I was a little rich, we didn't have a football team, and so I rooted for the Cowboys, and then I matured and became a fan of another team. That's a story for a different day. But, but uh, But I never imagined that I would be driving on Tom Landry Freeway. How stinking cool is that? Because the Cowboys just have a spirit that recognizes that they're winners. So every year, who's going to win the Super Bowl? The Cowboys. Now watch this. Even though they never do. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Some, some people's spirituality are like Cowboy fans. They still think they're going to win and they never change. Okay, I still think of sometimes I want to be a Cowboys fan because Cardinals just lose. But I'm not going to do that. Not yet. But when we fail to recognize that we have the spirit of victory residing in us, and when we live a life through the Holy Spirit, we live a victorious life. So our mindset is victory. The way we think, the things we do, of course we'd be victorious. Listen, Christians, people should want to be around Christians more than anybody else. Because we should be the least amount of people that are ever, oh, life's so tough, and oh, it's so bad. Oh, I don't like this present. Oh, that person's bad. No, we're victorious because we have the spirit who's never lost inside of us. But we must believe that there's power in God's spirit to transform us, to change us continually, regardless of the season of life we're in. We're not done being transformed until we die. So we're going to continue in this place of victory, going from victory to victory to victory. So how do we grow in this? I'm going to give you three areas of growth. There's recognition, there's cooperation, and there's expectation. And so the recognition just simply just is us recognizing that we really do have a new nature. Some people, they, they got the new nature and forgot that they ever had one. And so they're the, they're the Christian that just, they walk around like, uh, I'm saved, but there's never any evidence that there really is the Christian life going on. Because when you begin to recognize that you have a new nature, here's what happens. You should begin to think differently. The things that you thought about before, you know what? You're still going to be thinking about, but you're going to think about them less. 
so when Clarissa and I a couple weeks ago went up to Washington State, uh, uh, Washington State legalized marijuana. And when I, before I started following Jesus, I had marijuana all sorts of different ways. And, and, and when I started following Jesus, I never had a desire for marijuana. I never even thought about it. And the weirdest thing, until this last time we were up in Washington, uh, they legalized a number of years ago. There are pot places everywhere. You want to go get high, just go to Washington. Pray you don't go to Washington to get high because you don't need to be high. But for some reason, the devil decided in this trip that he was just going to start highlighting that and talking about, oh, it wouldn't hurt you to go try that. What was the enemy trying to do? The enemy, because I, I, I have lived a Christian life of not thinking about that, is all he's trying to do is to try to get me back to go back to the old nature. I don't know what's going on in my life that ever the devil thought that this would be the season of life to try to get me to go back to marijuana. I just think that's stupid. But you begin to think differently. And you go, well, I don't even know how to think differently. Well, that's where the spirit comes in. Even when you think about, and I, I've never been a person that when I think about boating, the last boat I want to get on is a sailboat. They're too stinking slow. But what's amazing about a sailboat is the wind can be blowing one direction while the sailboat is actually going a different direction. Because the way they adjust the mass and the rudder, it's able to go in an opposite direction. And that's what the Spirit does to us in our new nature. He begins to adjust life so we are going differently than the winds of culture. We're going differently than everybody else because God is changing us in this new nature. So we, the, the result of this new nature is I begin to live differently. I begin to live in a way to where now my mind isn't, isn't trying to fulfill everything the flesh wants. So we go fishing this weekend with the guys and, you know, I just, I've not done much boating since coming to, to Texas. I grew up in Washington where we boated all the time, had a boat in Arizona and we'd do the mountain lakes on the boat. But since but man, I got back and I got, I got on Google Market, or not on Facebook Marketplace and pulled boats up. And I started going. Because my flesh all of a sudden went, oh, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice? You know, just as I'm sitting out there with one person in their boat going, and they're going, boy, wouldn't it be nice to have just a little bigger boat? Our minds always take us towards things of the flesh. I still might get a boat, but that's a different story. It has to be something the Lord wants. It's okay. It's not that he doesn't allow things for us to enjoy and do. Of course he does. But we have to understand that when, when we have a new nature, there is this old nature of our flesh that's always going to be pulling us toward things that are not ultimately healthy and ultimately don't bring life. Because as one person put it this weekend, BOAT is an acronym for bust out another thousand. Okay, so when Paul talks about flesh leading to death, it might just be the death of your bank account. And so you begin to wake, wait a minute, I, I don't have to submit to the old nature. I have a new nature that I can go to. But it's more than that, because you move from a place of recognition to a place of cooperation. Now, uh, now it's a life of the Spirit. Now I have, I have one that I'm doing life with. Who's, who's challenging that old nature to move towards a new nature. And what you find in this portion of Scripture is so beautiful, and I would encourage you to really read it from this, from this dynamic. Paul takes us from a life of no spirit, that if you don't have the spirit, you're gonna, it's going to end up in death, to where, to where you, now you have a life with the spirit, but then you have a life where the spirit has you. Now, to me, that's growth. That's where the cooperation totally takes on a new dynamic, where now it's not, I'm not just moving from a place of leaving the old life, but now I'm looking for and longing for the new life. 
And so I had mentioned in our our redemptive relationships training last week that, that uh, I, for whatever reason, and I, it's showing up here, and, and I'm going to have to get some form of a helpful accountability partner to help getting me on a new track of, of health and diet because I've really come to like Whataburger. I know it's a sin, and the fl- it's going to kill me, flesh just. But, but I, I, I go to Whataburger a couple weeks ago, and, and I like their breakfast. They actually use real eggs in this bowl that I get, and I like it. And, uh, and it's a nice thing we live in a day where I could just get on the app, and I can order it before I leave the house. And it's Whataburger, so you get there and you still have to wait because it's Whataburger, all right? How many know what I'm talking about? All right, my fellow Whataburger fans, right? And the Lord says to me, he goes, go inside. It's a good opportunity for you to get to know people. And so I did. I, in fact, I went in there two weeks ago, and, and they had just reopened for the remodeling one out there on Brentwood Stair, just right up here. And, and so I started talking to them about how do you like the new place and listen to their complaints. And, and then I left. I took my food. The other thing I'm thinking, and of course my flesh is always involved, get your food quicker if you go inside. And I leave, and, and, and last week I, I went into Whataburger. I know this is bad. But you know what happened to me when I went to Whataburger this time? I was greeted with a hug. When you move into a life where the Spirit has you and you allow the Spirit to guide you, it's not just a matter of you're not dying anymore. You're stepping into a new dynamic of life and joy. And that's really where the growth comes as we learn to cooperate with the Spirit. So where are you at in the spectrum? If you've given your life to Christ, no longer do you not have the Spirit, but now you have the Spirit. But are you growing to the place now where the Spirit has you? And you begin to live a life where the Spirit is guiding you and the, uh, the Spirit is directing you. Because here's where Paul ultimately goes here. That there's going to be a day where the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead will also raise our mortal bodies from the dead. So if you really think that the Holy Spirit is going to raise your mortal body from the dead, well then maybe now is a good time to start cooperating with Him. I don't know, I've seen the bumper stickers where God is my co-pilot. Have you seen that? It's not, that's a common, not an uncommon bumper sticker, but the fact of the matter is God's not my co-pilot. I'm the co-pilot. The co-pilot, he flies the plane, but he doesn't have command of the plane. You fly your life, but you don't have control of your life. You don't have command of your life. The Spirit has command of your life. When the Spirit has command of your life, you're going to begin to change. There's going to be transformation, regardless of the season of life that you're in. Because when I grow in this cooperation, things begin to happen. And when you grow in the cooperation, you really start to grow in the expectation. Because now you kind of just expect change to happen. Because you're led now to a life that is a victorious life. And in that victorious life, you learn to trust him more. Paul talks about that you no longer live a life of fear. When you, when you trust God and you, and you cooperate with the Spirit coming through life, all of a sudden you find yourself in situations where, wait a minute, I don't have to be fearful here. Paul said, for you did not receive a, the spirit of slavery, slavery to fall back into fear. That's what the enemy is always trying to do, is to get us to pull back into, into a place of fear. But we don't have to. As we cooperate, we can live with a spirit of, of expectation. I wish it was as simple as, man, I'm just going to do that forever. But let me tell you, I got to tell you a story that happened this weekend. So this weekend was planned by others, and they decided that us men should go camping in the middle of July. 
I'm not a micromanager. I was going to go along with it. I told Clarissa before I left, I don't want to go to this. I said it a number of times. Clarissa, my blessed wife, do you want me to manufacture an emergency? No. That's the flesh. That's the flesh. Okay. So I, so I, so I, I went, and, and, and I got to be a man. I'm not going to, first of all, I got this competitive spirit. And if you got to sleep in a cabin, tough on you, I'm going to sleep outdoors. Let me tell you what that got me. I did not, literally did not sleep Thursday night. I got in bed, I, so I, I got this little hammock tent that's in between trees with a, with a net over, so I don't have to worry about bugs. And, and at, you know, 9 o'clock, it was a nice breeze. I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be great. I'm going to sleep well. And I went to go to bed, and the wind stopped. 93 degrees and no wind. And I'm laying in my hammock. And so I just put on a little fiction audio book and went, I'm just going to go to sleep today. 10.30, my eyes are wide open. I'm going to get up and cool off. I got up and I walked around and, and I went, oh, I'll make myself get tired, listen to the audiobook a little bit. I walked. I got, if I got out where the main road is, where the loop for the campgrounds were at, I could feel a breeze. And so I would go and I'd walk around. 12 o'clock, I get back in bed and went, all right, I'm ready to go to sleep. Couldn't sleep. 12.45, I'm going to get up again. So now it's 1.30 and I'm sitting out in the camp area, which, you know, we've got one person sleeping over here, one person sleeping over here, one person sleeping in the back, and then me, and I'm kind of in the middle, I'm, and I'm sitting, it's, it's dark out. I got my earbuds in, I'm listening to a book, and I'm eating corn nuts. And I'm looking at the sky, just pondering life in Arizona. When you camped, you went to the elevation where it was cool in the summer. But in Texas, you go camping, and it's still 100 plus degrees. And I'm minding my own business. I, I got one foot up on the bench of the picnic table and my other one down. Lo and behold, we're being invaded by armadillo. And one comes and nudges my foot while I'm staring at the sky. Now, let me just say, I didn't lose my man card because I did not scream like a girl. I did, however, wake one person up when I went, whoa! <laughs> because... It just showed up out of nowhere, and as I looked down, you know, that little shell in the tail was going back under the table. I don't know if an armadillo gets scared, but it ran the other way. Thanks, praise be to Jesus. But here, why do I tell that story? Because even when you live a life of expectation, sin has a way of just getting to the flesh. And all that is happening here is that the enemy is trying to, to get you to think that you're no longer in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, that, that your old nature has taken over. Why? So we don't live with confidence. But when you say, Lord, I'm going to trust you for change, I'm going to look to you for change, that while occasionally you're still going to have these challenges that come along, you're ultimately saying, I cooperate with the Holy Spirit, so I expect to win. I expect to win. You may scream like a girl when it happens, I don't know, but you're going to get right back on course. Because I was not sitting out there with one ounce of fear. And by the way, I didn't have an ounce of fear after that. I did, however, start looking a little bit more with a flashlight. And two of those armadillo came back in, of which one was scratching on a box trying to get something knocked over a pan. But I shoot them away. Because when you live a life cooperating with the Holy Spirit, that's what you do with sin. You just begin to go, wait a minute. I recognize the weak areas of my life. And the Holy Spirit allows us to put a spotlight on it so we can shoo it away, so that it can't come in and disrupt. All right, so let's, real briefly, I just want to talk about three things that you can do 
this week that really will allow you to grow in this belief that the Holy Spirit is going to bring victory in your life all the time. And it, and it really is it's quite simple. You just enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Listen, the great thing about the, a life of victory, I don't know how many people really get upset when, they're, when they win. They don't. It's, it's always the loser that gets upset. It's the, it's the person who comes in second. In fact, even in the Olympics, the, all the Olympics that have happened, they've done psychological studies of the people who get the medals. Do you know the most miserable person that wins is always the person that got silver? And the reason that is, is the person that got the bronze is just glad they're there. And the person who got the silver can only think about what could have been. And, and that's not what's intended for our life. Our life is really intended to enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. And the life through the Spirit will always cause us to enjoy because we're victorious. So what can we do? Well, if you're challenged with this, start by enjoying this week by thanking God, literally with your mouth, that you have a choice because of your new nature. You have a choice in circumstances. You have a choice in temptations. You have a choice in relationships. Why do we need to do that? Is it because now you're no longer going to be tempted? Now your circumstances are going to be, be perfect and now everybody's going to love you? No. But what you're doing is you're focusing in on this new nature. You're causing your mind to turn to the things of the Spirit so you can enjoy what God has done. I, I, I'm sure I prayed it for people this morning. It's not uncommon for people for all the time. Is that the Holy Spirit will help us to see the changes that he's doing and the changes that he's done. So, so thank him for that. Thank the Father for that. Because, because you were, you know, here I was in the, in the middle of that camp crying out to nobody in, in particular. Uh, when you do find yourself in a circumstance, you cry out the Father. We have someone to cry out to. And whenever we cry out to our Father, He comes and He shows His grace in very unique and particular ways. People who've gone through incredible times of imprisonment um, in, you know, you think about in time of Vietnam War where they, they, were, they were held captive. Listen, they wouldn't wish that on anybody. But those that made it through it recognized that it brought something out in them that they wouldn't trade for anything. What you find is the Holy Spirit teaches you, even in the midst of incredibly difficult situations, that you're still able to enjoy. Because what, what Paul does in his writing here is very interesting. Do you know, in the Greek, there, there are really two main words for children. The first word is, is techna, which means child, like a, like a six-year-old. But in Romans 8, that's not what he's referring to. When he talks about us being the children, he uses the word hues, which means adult child. Now, some of you wives will relate to your husbands being adult children. You have all the, the, the responsibilities and all the inheritances that come along with being an adult, but you're still a child. Paul understood that about us, that, that our tendency is to, to do, go back to the, to the childhood mistakes. But because we have a father, we cry out to him, and he comes. And he allows our mindset to go more and more towards the Spirit. So if you're, if you're struggling in the areas of temptations, you're struggling in, in the areas of circumstances and, or relationships, just begin to thank your Heavenly Father. And I would encourage you to actually call Him Father. And we'll get back to that here in a moment. But I, the second place of enjoyment is you need to enjoy uh, the Spirit-controlled living. If, if you're the person that thinks that God is nothing more than a cosmic killjoy and you're coming into Christianity is just about, it's just, oh, brother, I got to do this, I got to do that, and I got to make sure he's happy. Okay, you need to stop. You need to stop that. 
And you need, you need, to, you need to keep that in check because that's the flesh. Think about the last time that you fell into the proverbial rose bushes. Okay, got something in mind? I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud. It's okay. We're not revealing our top 10 sin list here. But we all have things that tend to cause us to fall into the rose bushes. And when you fall into the rose bushes, that's where you hear the enemy the loudest. You're never going to change. You're no good. You know, you're not really a Christian. Everybody, they don't know you're a hypocrite, but I know you're a hypocrite. How am I doing? Is that the way we are? It is. It's the way we are. But I want you to think about it a little bit different. What is heaven saying? Do you ever think about what heaven's saying? Do you ever think about what your heavenly father is saying? Could you imagine your heavenly father picking you up and patting you on the back going, man, you did so good. That was two days. That was three weeks. That was a month. That's been years since you did that. I'm so proud of you. Do you ever think of that? I would venture to say most people don't. Because they think of the Father as being up there going, yeah, cry out to me so I can smack you around a little bit. you got to understand, that's why we started off last week. There is now therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. God may correct you. God may remind you why those rose bushes hurt. But he doesn't condemn you. He corrects us. And we should be thankful that he corrects us because we're his children. But he doesn't condemn us. And so, focus on the victory. Focus on the times where your mind has been able to go to the things of the Spirit as opposed to the things of the flesh. Because now you're catching on to what your heavenly Father is doing. And so the third enjoyment is enjoy your heavenly Father. I've never called him Abba. It's weird to me call him Abba. I just call him Father. You might call him Dad. I wouldn't go as far as to say call him the big guy upstairs. That's to me, sounds a little funny, but if that's what you got to do. But be real with him. He's our heavenly father. And so enjoy him. He's enjoying you. Let me say that again. He's enjoying you. So enjoy him. Talk to him. I'm, I don't know if these kinds of prayers are recorded regularly, but I commonly will say, Lord, Father, I don't, I don't want to be that way. I need your help to be this way. I think that's a good prayer. Because there, there, there are times when the Holy Spirit just begins to show me where my tendency is to really be led by my flesh. And that always leads to death. Death to me could be my wife mad at me, my kids not wanting to talk to me, somebody in the church leaving because of something I did. Oh, could, you know, this could go on and on and on. Death just isn't the physical body dying. It's whenever we are led by the flesh, it results in death. Now, no life comes to it. But when we say, I don't want to be that way, Father, I want to be that way. He's like, I got you there because I've given you the spirit of victory. And so enjoy it. And so, Lord... May we enjoy you this week in all that we do, Lord. May we, may we turn from the flesh and put our minds on the things of the Spirit. Lord, I pray that you help every person to, to not just read Romans chapter 8 this week, but Lord, to spend time in the victories, that there would be time of reflection. This is the way I used to be. 
And this is the way I am now in Christ Jesus. Thank you for the change, Lord. Thank you for every time you've, you've brought me into a life that is more and more like Christ Jesus. I thank you for that. And I want to enjoy the cooperation with your spirit more than ever this week, Lord. And I pray that would be our heart's cry, that we would, we would want to be controlled by your spirit. Lord, we still have our hands on the, on the, uh, on the joystick of life, but Lord, may it be controlled. May we listen to you in where we turn and where we go and what we do, how we spend our, our time and our energy, where we spend our, even our finances, that, Lord, we, we're going to you with that. And then, Lord, I pray that Lord, that, Lord, they will enjoy, every person will enjoy you as their father. Because, Lord, you are for us, not against us. Lord, we look forward to the day that we no longer have to worry about the flesh and we don't have to be praying this way. But until that day, we're going to pray that way and we're going to enjoy you because, Lord, we look forward to the day that, that while you're doing a beautiful thing on the inside, you've promised to do something on the outside in the resurrection. And so, Lord, we just receive that obligation to come to you and enjoy you until that day so that, Lord, when the day comes and, and the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise and those who remain shall be caught up to ever be with the Lord as we are in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, transformed from a life that is corruptible to a life that is incorruptible. Until that moment, Lord, we say yes to you and enjoy the life that you've given in Jesus' name. If you agreed with that at any point, say amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.